Section 17. The French Revolution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The French Revolution by Hilaire Belloc. Section 17. Chapter 4. Continued. The Phases of the Revolution. Phase 6. From April 1793 to July 1794. The first division of this period, which ends in the height of the summer of 1793, is the gradual consolidation of the committee as a new organ of government, and the peril of destruction which it runs in common with the nation it governs at the hands of allied Europe. The second period includes part of August and all the rest of 1793 and the first seven months of 1794, during which time the committee is successful in its military effort. The nation is saved, and in a manner curiously dramatic and curiously inconsequential, the martial regime of the terror abruptly ceases. The first step in the consolidation of the power of the committee was their letting loose of the Commune of Paris and the populace it governed against the Girondins. Looked at merely from the point of view of internal politics, upon which most historians have concentrated, the attack of the populace of Paris and their commune against the Parliament seemed to be no more than the end of the long quarrel between the Girondins with their ideal federal republic and the capital with its instinct for strong centralized government. But in the light of the military situation, of which the Committee of Public Safety were vividly aware, and which it was their business to control, a very different tale may be told. When the defeats began, the Parliament had voted a levy of 300,000 men. It was a mere vote, which came to very little, not enough in numbers, and still less in morale for the type of troops recruited under a system of money forfeit and purchased substitutes was wholly beneath the task of the great war this law of conscription had been passed upon the twenty fourth of february the date for its first application was in many villages fixed for the tenth of march all that country which borders the estuary of the Lior, to the north and to the south a country whose geographical and political peculiarities need not detain us here but which is still curiously individual, began to resist. The decree was unpopular everywhere. Of course, as military service is everywhere unpopular, with the settled population. But here it had no ally, for the revolution and all its works were grossly unpopular as well. The error of the civil constitution of the clergy was a powerful factor in this revolt. The piety and orthodoxy of this district were, and are, exceptional. Some such resistance in some such quarter was perhaps expected, but what was not expected was its military success. Four days before the defeat of Nearwinden itself, and four days after the decree of conscription in the village, a horde of peasantry had taken possession of the town of Chaillot in the southern part of this district, Vendée. Three days before the Committee of Public Safety was formed, the insurgents had defeated regular forces at Macoul 
and had tortured and put to death their prisoners. The month of April, when the Committee of Public Safety was first finding its seat in the saddle, saw the complete success of the rebels. The forces sent against them were worthless, for all military effort had been concentrated upon the frontier. Most of them were not even what we should call militia. A small force of regulars was to have moved from Orleans, but before they could attack, Thouars, Parthenay, and Fontenay fell into the power of the rebels. These posts afforded an advanced triangle right into the regularly administered territory of the Republic. The great town of Nantes was outflanked. Even in such a moment the Girondins still clung to their ideal, an individually free and locally autonomous republic. It is little wonder that the temper of Paris refused to support them, or their influence over the Parliament, and we can easily understand how the new committee supported Paris in its revolt. That revolt took place on the 31st of May. The forces under the command of the capital did not march, but a deputation of the sections of Paris demanded the arrest of the leading Girondins. The body of the debating hall was invaded by the mob. The Committee of Public Safety pretended to compromise between Paris and the Parliament, but a document recently analyzed sufficiently proves that their sympathy was with the Parisian attack. They proposed, indeed, to put the armed forces of Paris at the disposition of the Assembly, that is, in their own hands. That day nothing of the movement was done, but the Parliament had proved of no strength in the face of the capital. On the frontier the advance of the invaders had begun. The great barrier fortress of Valenciennes relied for its defense upon the neighboring camp of Fomars. The garrison of that camp had been compelled to evacuate it by the advance of the Allied army upon the 23rd of May, and though some days were to be spent before the heavy artillery of the Austrians could be emplaced, Valenciennes was henceforward at the mercy of its besiegers. There was news that La Vendée was not the only rebellion. Lions had risen three days before. There had been heavy fighting. The Royalists and the Girondins had combined and had carried the town hall and established an insurrectionary and unelected municipal government. Such news, coming immediately after the 31st of May, roused the capital to action. This time the Parisian forces actually marched against the Parliament. The demand for the suspension of the twenty-two named Girondin deputies was made under arms. Much has been written, and by the best historians, to make of this successful day a mere conquest by the Commune of Paris over the Parliament. Though Bayer and Danton both protested in public, it was in reality their politics that conquered with Paris. To the twenty-two names that the forces of Paris had listed, seven were added. The great Girondins, Brissot, Vernaud, and the rest, were not indeed imprisoned. They were considered under arrest in their houses. But the moral authority of the Convention as an administrative machine, not as a legislative one, was broken on this day, the 2nd of June, 1793. Paris had ostensibly conquered, but the master, who was stronger than ever and whom Paris had served, was the Committee of Public Safety. This first committee of public safety endured to the 10th of July. In the midst of such a war and of such an internal struggle, the convention had voted upon the public initiative of the committee of public safety 
the famous constitution of 93, that prime document of democracy which, as though to mock its own ideal, has remained no more than a written thing from then until now. Therein will be found universal suffrage, therein the yearly parliament, therein the referendum, therein the elected executive, a thing no parliament would ever give us to this day. The Constitution was passed but three weeks after the successful insurrection of Paris. A fortnight later, still on the 10th of July, the first of the Committee of Public Safety was followed by its successor. All this while the Vendeans were advancing. Nantes, indeed, had held out against the rebels, but as we shall see in a moment, the Republican troops had not yet made themselves good. The rebellion of Lyons was fortifying itself and a week later was to execute the radical Chalier. Marseillais was rising. On the 10th of July, the convention summoned to its bar Westerman, the friend of Danton, who had suffered defeat at the hands of the Western rebels. It is well to note at this point one of those small individual factors which determine the fate of states. Danton, the master of all that first movement toward the centralization, the man who had made the 10th of August, who had negotiated with the Prussians after Velmy, who had determined upon and formed a central government against the Girondin anarchy, had broken down. His health was gone. He was a giant in body, but for the moment he had tired himself out. The renewing of his committee was proposed. He was thrust out from the new choice. Barrier remained to link the old committee with the new. A violent sectarian Calvinist pastor, Jean-Born Saint-André, among the bravest and most warped of the revolutionaries, Couthon, a friend of Robespierre, Saint-Just, a still more intimate friend, a young, handsome, enormously courageous and decisive man, entered with others to the number of nine, the new committee. Seventeen days later, on the 27th of July, Robespierre replaced one of the minor members thus chosen. He had precisely a year to live, and it is the moment for fixing, before the reader's mind, the nature of his career. The End of Section 17